Side A. Richie presents various logs from the past. And this week, I had a conversation with a special guest. He goes by the name of Sean Keyes. Sean has suffered from BPD from when he was a kid. And if you're wondering what BPD is, it stands for Borderline Personality Disorder. And it comes with various symptoms, which we do discuss throughout the episode and how he's dealt with them over the years, but more importantly, how he's dealing with them today. I appreciate him sharing his story with me. Um, It's a brutally honest conversation and there are some subjects that some people may find triggering, but it's his truth, it's his story. Um, It's the way he has dealt with it over the years and he's not ashamed of it. You know, he's, he's spreading awareness. I've called this episode, You, Me and BPD, as it's also the name of Sean's podcast, where you can find out more information about it and how it has affected uh, other people as well as himself over the years. But I hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. I guess my my first question to you is um, around it. When did you recognize that you had it? Like, how old was you? You know, when did you realize, I suppose, that that you had it? Well, I was like, I was always hypersensitive as a child. So, you know, growing up, I, I figured out fairly early that there was a little bit of a difference in me that I was extremely hypersensitive. You know, things really hurt. I noticed mm. as a child that uh, things really affected me in a sense that my emotions were strong. Um, I had a huge bond to animals when I was a child, um, still do, yeah. mm. but things like that. And then when you're growing up, you're, you know, you're asked by your siblings, why are you so sensitive? Things like this, where you'd be questioning, you know, why is your sensitivity a little bit, um, off if you want to call it that compared to other people. Mm. But, um, in 2009, unfortunately I, um, you know, I, I self-harmed and, um, that kind of brought my mental health to the fore, you know, brought it up to the front, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, a tough time, I would it, Yeah, it was a dark place for me, to be honest with you. It was an absolute dark place for me in 2009 where I uh, I ended up deforming my hand, you know, rather than going into the, into the gory details, but I ended up deforming my hand for life, you know. Unfortunately, I cut too deep and yeah. uh, severed you know, Some muscle ligaments. and tissues and everything yeah. else. So um, that kind of brought it right up to the fore for me about how dark the mind can get and what it can actually do to someone in in yeah. that in that place. You know. Yeah, and just just for clarity, sorry, just because we didn't really speak about it at the very beginning, mm. but in regards to BPD, which is borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Um, tell tell us what what that is, I guess, for the people who may not know what that is right so borderline personality disorder it's it's a cluster b illness the cluster b's are basically the personality disorders or as i like to call them the rat pack um (laughs) you have your psychopaths your sociopaths your narcissistics and uh your borderlines Hmm. now i prefer to say people with borderline people with psychopathy but because um there's a bit of stigma you know sometimes we're called borderlines when really we're just human beings yeah, but sure. basically why they, they named it borderline personality disorder is you're on the borderline of neurosis and psychosis. So basically you could basically hurt yourself or someone else. Yeah. And that's yeah. basically why they kind of called it borderline personality disorder because people with borderline personality disorder are more prone to fits of rage. Yeah. Um, basically, 
our prefrontal cortex, which is basically the part of the brain, the front part of the brain or the human part of the brain that it's, it's your morals and your values and ethics. That's the part of the brain that will, when somebody gets upset, it's that part of the brain that goes, ah, look, don't do that now. It's not worth it. So yeah, unfortunately yeah. for someone with borderline, that part of the brain is not very strong. And then the amygdala, emotional part of the brain, is actually ramped up. Mm. And so what you have with a person with borderline personality disorder, if I was to kind of scale it, um, I've never done this before. We'll say <laughs> an average human being would have a football as their emotions. Yep. And then a tennis ball as their prefrontal cortex. And the tennis ball is big enough to pull, you know, don't do that. That's not worth it. Oh, hold yeah. it back from doing that. Someone with borderline personality disorder, you have a basketball and a pea. Mm. So, and the yeah. basketball was the more stronger. Yeah, the basketball is the emotional center. Yeah. 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 So it, I literally cannot regulate my emotions, which mm. is no. And I will argue the fact that I've overcome BPD, which psychiatrists like to say it can't be overcome. I have overcome it. And the reason I say I've overcome it is if you don't believe you can overcome something, you'll never do it. You yeah. know, you need that belief. You know, people didn't believe they'd travel to the moon 100 years ago. So mm. I have overcome it, but I've overcome it using food, if I'm being mm. honest. Um, sounds simple. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. ask you about what, mm. what mechanisms you may use to kind of help um, with that. But I suppose just going back a little mm, bit just mm. to around the self-harming piece. Um, so at, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm only assuming at this point, but when yeah. you was doing that, you, what, what, what was going through your head in that sense? As in, you don't want to be here. Is that kind of the, the thought process yeah, you were thinking at the time? Yeah, definitely. In 2009, I, you know, when I was growing up, I was, I was, um, and I'll say this, unfortunate, you know, I had unfortunately an awful lot of trauma in my life. Mm. Um, so I experienced quite a lot of abuse growing up and I always grew up with the the thought that I was useless and worthless. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to achieve things in life and I tried to better myself. And no matter what I achieved, it just gave me a slight bit of pleasure for a couple of minutes and then yeah. it was gone. So, so it wasn't enough kind of thing. No, it was just empty again uh, yeah. and vast. And eventually in 2009, at that stage, I had, you know, I'd bought two houses, bought one, built one. Wow. I had mm. my own business. <laughs> I had five people working with me. You know, I was able to, you know, I was able to spend maybe 40, 50,000 on a, on a Jeep if I wanted to. Um, yeah. You know, so in could, most cases, in most people's cases, that sounds great. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it absolutely Mm. sounds like the dream. Um, I was able to travel to Canada and see Pearl Jam for a weekend and just travel home. I I had absolutely no money issues. And I I remember standing outside my garage at the time. And, you know, unfortunately, my father, he was was a very violent man. Yeah. And he had passed away at this stage. And I had achieved all this all this wealth and, and you know, materials. Um, I called it my tower of bullshit, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, because I had overachieved. 
And I just put my hands up and I said, now am I worthless? You know? Yeah. And that crushed me um, because I was trying to prove to a dead man that I was worth something. Yeah, yeah. And that absolutely... You kind of wanted to say like, ha, kind yeah, of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, look yeah, at me. Yeah. And I realized yeah. that I was living my full life just trying to prove to someone and someone who didn't give a shit anyway how I ended yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's hard. I, I can imagine it's hard because he can't now, as in at, at the time, you know, no. he what he had passed. So mm. he couldn't even say you're doing good or you're doing bad. You just don't know, like, you know, what, I, what he was I, thinking, I guess. I, you know, mm. to be honest with you, at uh, 42 now, like, he just... He was in a different space, my my father, unfortunately. He was just in a different headspace. He was not happy. So, he, you know, unfortunately, people, when they're not happy, project their unhappiness onto others. Um, Do you think, actually, on that point there, do you think, um, so do you think, for example, if it wasn't for your father, do you think you'd still have BPD? Do you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, mm. if I grew up, and that's a great question, and I'm delighted you asked it. Um, if I grew up in a neurotypical family that had no abuse, yeah, I would end up with BPD because I'll tell you why. I used to think borderline personality disorder equals traumatic background. Yeah. And it does, okay? But here's the thing. I know plenty of people who have wonderful parents and grandparents who experienced one form of trauma yep. and ended up with BPD. And mm. I could give you a quick story as to why I noticed. Yeah, in, sure. in 2011, we were doing um, dialectical behavioral therapy, it's called. It's a specific therapy for borderline personality disorder. And there was 12 of us in the classroom learning how to manage our emotions. And it's a fantastic course. And um, I was chatting to this girl, and you're not supposed to ask, but of course I did. Well, you know, <laughs> how are your parents or whatever? And she said, wonderful, absolutely wonderful people. And that confused me, because I had experienced so much trauma. Yeah, you so, kind of connected it to being bad parents, as in you connected that BPD to be with absolutely. a terrible childhood Abs and et cetera. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I said to her, your parents are good. And she goes, yeah, they're the nicest people I know. And I was like, okay, what about your grandparents? And she goes, no, they're wonderful people. I said, what happened to you? And she said, and this changed my whole world. When I was nine years of age, I was doing ballet and the teacher mocked me in front of the classroom. Mm, yeah. And I yeah. said, and did anything else happen? No. And that stunned me. That floored yeah. me. That is the reason I'm chatting to you today. It's the reason I actually absorbed myself then in mental health after that because I went, oh my God. Like, I was convinced someday I'd have children. I was going yep. to do my best to be as good as a father as I could be. Yeah. And I was going to go, you know, I'm going to really work hard at this and then it should be okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> And then I'm talking to this girl who grew up in a wonderful background, caring, warm parents, and she couldn't cope. Like, yeah. I could cope more than she could, which is terrifying. 
Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's it's amazing the trigger points, isn't it? Of Absolutely. What what people what people what gets that person to that point? So, for example, with you, it's uh, you know, in my opinion, it's quite traumatic um, in regards to you know your father and how how that situation was. And for her, it was just an abu- just a uh, a disrespect, I guess, in front of other people. Absolutely. Um, and it's amazing yeah. the balances of what triggered each person in regards to that. So yes, it's quite, it's quite, and obviously somebody else, it could, could be just something as simple as in front of a classroom with a teacher and they, you know, you write a letter wrong or, you know, you spell something wrong and that yeah. could trigger them as well. So it could be, yeah. 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 Like and you see, the thing about it is, is that's why now I can clearly say, even if I came from parents who were everyday type of people, I'd mm. still end up with BPD. Um, yeah. You're born hypersensitive. And it's just that simple. I've, I, um, I've two children who are hypersensitive. So is it generic? Uh, what's the word? I'm genetic. That's the word. Is it genetic? I think it is. Or? If I'm being honest, um, I think it is. My mother's hypersensitive. Um, I'm hypersensitive, mm. and I've two children who are hypersensitive. I mean, you know, it, it, you breed a Labrador, you get a Labrador. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, is it genetic? Yeah. It, of course, it passes down. You know, it does pass down. Yeah. And so just to 2009, then after that incident, what changed in after 2009? So 2010, 11, 12, that made you not want to do that anymore, maybe? Or did you still have those kind of thoughts as, I'm going to try it again, for example? Or did something change after that point? I had uh, suicidal thoughts. I had suicidal thoughts um, more frequent after 2009 because I didn't want to be here. Um, the worst thing on the planet for me was waking up, um, because the problems that brought me to the night where I tried to end my life were big enough for me to want to end my life. And then I woke up the next day with all them problems that I had, plus a deformed hand. So I, Mm. I multiplied my, you know, my level of, of, of a nightmare by tenfold plus. I realized then the dangers of actually trying to kill yourself, what it does to people. Yeah. It destroys them. Um, because you hold an awful power in your hand when you're going to end your life. And I never realized yeah. Yeah. the destruction it actually can cause to people that you love around you. Mm. Um, yeah. I was thinking that as well. So obviously I don't know how long you've been married. Have you been, how long have you been? I, well, are you married? Sorry. Are yeah, you, married. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend at the time, We'd only built a house, um, and that was one of the reasons that I, I ended my life. We'd, we just built a house, and I built it to its perfection. Yeah. And, you know, because I had to be perfect, because if it wasn't, I'd be useless, and I didn't want to be useless. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing when you look back upon it. And it gave me happiness for five minutes. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And it was a huge project to build a house. And I built a house perfect for me i mean i'm in a room that was designed for me that nobody else can hear in a, in the house um so i built a house specifically for someone who needed to get away which people would love Absolutely. i'm in a complete den here um yeah. or a den for boys if you want to call it that and it gave me about five minutes of pleasure and that crushed me as well i was like oh lord if this doesn't give me 
joy. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that's quite a to, yeah. What's it gonna yeah, take? Yeah, that's quite a big thing to do in regards to building a house. Well, ultimately building mm. a house, rooms, mm. and things. And if that still doesn't fulfill you, you know, no. with with satisfaction for a longer period, anyway, longer than five minutes, you know, mm. if it doesn't fulfill you permanently, what what else could you do? In, in you know, yeah. How how big can you go with like you know that kind of thing? That's it, and and that's the horrible thing about feeling empty inside and hollow, which is a, a common trait of borderline personality disorder as well. Is that emptiness that people feel? It's just an awful emptiness. But to answer your question about the suicide, I had suicidal ideations up until about maybe four years ago, if I'm being honest. But oh, wow. they were reducing mm. as the years went on, and my brain got stronger, and I became wiser. Yeah. Um. So is that with was that with just with um with just age and uh a type not necessarily sitting down meditating but a type of reprogramming your brain I guess to kind of absolutely you yeah know. it's mm. you see look if if again it's it's as simple as this the thing that makes us human beings is is our prefrontal cortex you know there's this there's a famous story one of the most famous stories about um psychology is a a, a railroad worker called Phineas um Phineas Gage I think his name was in the 1800s in America an outstanding human being moral person married had children you know went to mass he was a, a foreman for the railroad uh, construction company in America in the 1800s he was yep. over the uh, you know, the explosives. And one day an accident happened and a bar went clean up through his head and uh, shot through his head. And he oh. lived in through his eye and out through the top of his head. Oof. And the thing about it was he didn't die. But it's completely severed his prefrontal cortex. And he became nasty, cruel, abusive to his wife and children uh, he started gambling and sleeping around with um, prostitutes. And he was the first person on the planet to psychologists kind of looked at him and went, oh, so you, if you do damage the brain, there's a different person. This is what happens. Because yeah. they all knew yeah. him. And next thing he went from a gentleman to a tyrant. Yeah. Um. So with people wow. with, with um, borderline, unfortunately, our prefrontal is not developed which is why we are more impulsive with things um, yeah. prone yeah. to doing, as I said earlier, fits of rage. So yeah. with me, when I figured this out, I said to myself, right, well, what if you just keep training, just keep training and training and training and eventually you'll get it. And thankfully today, yeah, I'm, I'm as calm as you could possibly get, which I'm very grateful to say. Um, yeah, it would take an unnatural amount to bring me to a fit of rage. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, as in, do you feel you could kind of slip back um, into that kind of thing with a particular trigger point maybe or something, um, you know, or do, would it take quite a lot to kind of do it, that? It's a great question because this is where psychologists think, you know, you always have the illness. I don't always have BPD because I have, I'm always going to be me. Yeah. They need to label it as borderline personality disorder. I'm just saying, well, I was always this way. You just have to name it. Um, would I go back into a fit of rage? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Um, as would anybody. If I mm. deprived... Now, because I'm hypersensitive, 
So I'll, I'll answer the question in a scientific way. Because I'm yeah. hypersensitive, I'm more prone to the elements, right? So let's just say um, the average human being is a neurotypical human being. If I'm beside you, I will actually absorb your emotions. Okay. Right? Okay. Because, and, and, and the reason by, why is this, it's not like, you know, the way people are into spirituality and I'm not into that, I'm into science. Yeah. If I can't answer in a scientific way, I won't answer. Because my prefrontal doesn't work, right? I'm practically left with my animal brain. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so the prefrontal is morals, values, ethics, and beliefs. Your animal brain, which every human being on the planet has, is survival, pleasure, food, and sex, and they're just programs. Now, to give you an idea as to why I absorb other people's emotions, all you have to do is look at a dog. When you're happy, they're happy. When you're sad, they're sad. Yeah, they yeah. don't have they absorb almost exactly. Yeah. A dog yeah. is yeah. absolute animal brain. How you feel, they feel. Yeah, yeah. so it's the same type of thing. So yeah. there you go. It's it's really and truly that simple. Now you take the average human being who has a prefrontal. When they're around somebody, because we all feel these things. It's not like, you know, we have some sort of special ability because it's not a special ability. It's a nightmare. Um, yeah. It's not yeah. something that you think is brilliant. With a normal brain, when you were around me, your brain through your prefrontal will be regulating your emotions, even if you feel mine. So it'll actually stabilize you even if you're around me. Yeah. Because that's what it does. That's the idea of the prefrontal. It actually regulates your emotions, right? Yeah. So without you knowing it, if you were around, say, me, your brain will just regulate as it's adjusting to the two frequencies from your emotions and mine. Yeah. However, if I'm around you, I don't have that part that regulates. Yeah. So I'm so going to just absorb the... what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. That's and then I, mean. I get the mix-up of... Are they my emotions or your emotions? And this is why people that have borderline personality disorder are, again, hypersensitive and they get confused and upset. And that actually brings me, brings me nicely onto my next point, actually, which is around the relationships. Yeah. So, you, like you said, you're married at mm -hmm. the moment. Do you find that that happens? So, for example, if your wife is happy, let's just say, that comes off to you. Whereas if she's angry or upset because something happened during the day do you also absorb that as well oh, with your, with your partner? <laughs> as i said i built a i built a couple of places in the house where i could escape <laughs> um um unfortunately yeah i have three children okay. and um mm -hmm. you know they're seven years of age nearly and twins are, are four and i have to take breaks um even if I'm even if I'm minding them, I actually have to take a break. Um, yeah. I have to go just for a few minutes. I wouldn't leave them on their own, but I literally have to just tip off into the toilet and um, and regulate, <laughs> and then just come back out and be ready again yeah. because children are absolutely bundles of energy, absolutely, which can absolutely. override my system. Um, mm. like getting too much of a surge <laughs> into a computer and it blows up. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, whatever is whatever the emotion is, 
Yeah. I'm going to feel it. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, being around the kids, like you said, they've got a lot of energy. They're mm. always bouncy. Mm. Um, it puts you probably in the, if out of percentages, it's more than 50%, you'll be in a happier place, right? Because the kids are more happier um, bouncing around. Is that a fair statement to say? I would be happy today, if I'm being honest, 95% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, today. Yeah. Um, yeah, ninety-five uh, percent of the time I'm happy. Yeah. Um, when the kids, you know, with the kids, here's the good side of I have borderline personality disorder is um when we're happy, everybody's really happy around us because we absor- we we vibrate a huge amount of vibration. Yeah. Um, when we're not happy, it's not good to be around us. So yeah, um, it resonates throughout the whole household. Absolutely. Or if yeah. like, and that's the unfortunate thing. If I'm happy, everybody's happy. If I'm not happy, mm-hmm. nobody's happy. Um, and like I, I look upon that in a sense of of respect, where I would respect the fact that I, you need to keep your emotions fairly regulated. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and again, almost the flip side of that. So mm. that's when your house is full, when mm. you've got, you know, your kids, you've got your wife in the house, everybody's in your house. From some of the things I've been researching on this as well, there is the flip side of around, I guess, loneliness or isolation and things like that. Is that something that you have or do suffer from as well, where you just don't want to be alone or anything like uh, that? No, that thankfully, really... no. I'm No, thankfully, as I said, I've worked very hard on myself. Yeah. So I picked borderline personality disorder apart in a sense of I had eight out of the nine traits. So I just worked on every trait until it was gone. I yeah. just looked upon it like a project. I worked on number one, fear of abandonment, Yeah. until I mm-hmm. no longer had a fear of abandonment. And then I moved on to two, which was, you know, unstable relationships. And yeah, yeah. I kind of looked upon it and broke it down in that sense. So today I'm a very, I can be on my own or with people. Um, yeah. Absolutely, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's good that you, like you said, around the nine uh, points there, because mm. there are obviously unstable relationships. There's loneliness of, well, fear of loneliness. Fear of um, abandonment, yeah. Abandonment, yeah. Mm. Then there's um, obviously the self-harming, uh, suicidal thoughts and things like that. So I'm yeah. glad you've kind of learnt to deal with those particular areas there's obviously more there's there, more, yeah. but i'm glad you yeah i'm glad you deal with those ones um another one was around paranoia as well is just one of the one of the uh, points yeah um, yeah the, do you, I do think, you really um, suffer from that anymore or did you ever suffer from that before? no i never had thankfully i never delusions and paranoia um i never mm. had um thought i was a bit of a downer on god not to give me that one would have been good crack um as we say in ireland if i was delusional <laughs> You know, you think you're right. <laughs> um, he kind of left me with a very logical mind, which wasn't very fun in, in the mindset of borderline. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and someone said to me before, should you joke about mental health, which I'm kind of sidetracking. Yes, I you should. It's such a dark topic. Have yeah, a bit of a laugh yeah. about it. It's such a dark yeah. topic. You know, try and have a bit of fun with it. Um, no, I never had delusions. I'm gonna I'm gonna chat to God someday when I get up there and go look. <laughs> Once you master all of them, just give me that one. To yeah, throw in so I can yeah. See, I need see what I get on. You need to send me back <laughs> with that one. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. 
do you think I know you said earlier on that people don't see it as a gift or anything like that, but do you do you see some sort of uh, positivity or something that you can take where it heightens something, absolutely. you know, that it makes it good for you. Oh, absolutely. Like if I, in the morning was, I understand how a neurotypical brain works now. Um, yep. I didn't realize how boring life can be for you. Um, <laughs> when you're not trying to solve the world's problems on a daily basis. <laughs> um, I would not remove my borderline mindset in the morning if I was given the choice. So, and reasons being is this, I've huge amounts of empathy, right? So I can literally feel what another human being can feel. As I said earlier on, I can absorb their emotions. The other part of empathy is this, you can literally get into the mindset of human beings. Mm. I can understand the mindset of a psychopath. Yeah. I can understand yeah. the mindset of a, a sociopath, a person with narcissism. You can get into the mindset of another human being because the empathy is so big. You can feel what they feel and see what they see. And that, in a very weird way, can give you insight as to why people do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with wrong, if I'm being honest. I, I like to think I'm a very moral person. Yeah. But I can understand it, yeah. you know, and that, it, I like the fact that you could look at a, a person with psychopathy, say, and go, ah, oh, I see, right, so you just have focus. It's mm. absolute focus. There's nothing else. It's just yeah. absolute focus. And I love the fact that you can look at that and go, and then switch back into yourself. We don't have many personalities. People think borderline personality disorder is many person. It's not. It's, it's as I said, it's, it's we are on the borderline of, 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 you could say the borderline of them all, really, because you can see into all them personalities as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Artistic. There's some one person on the planet that has borderline that isn't artistic in some way, shape, or form because we are only working from a very creative part of the brain. Yeah. Um. When we love you, we really love you because we can't regulate the fact <laughs> that we can tone it down a bit. Yeah. Love hard. You love. We hard. love hard. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there's many positives that I could go on about. Um. Yeah. I really well, do. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're there. To be mm. honest with you. Oh you yeah. Hundred percent. It's not. It's not just a. I've got this and it's always bad kind of thing. So I'm definitely glad that there are positives. hundred percent. hundred percent. hundred percent. A question then. Mm, so, mm. and I think I know the answer. Okay. However, you probably know the answer better than me. Yeah. BPD yeah. versus bipolar. Okay. Brilliant question. What's, what's the difference, uh, I guess, in your opinion or, or you, what you actually know? What, what, what's the difference between the two? Very simple to answer that one because I because mm. we actually got confused years ago. There was no such thing as BPD, and we you know people were labelled as bipolar. Yeah, right. A person with bipolar will feel happy, and they will ascend with that happiness, and they can't regulate either. So their happiness will keep going up and up and up and up and up, and it won't regulate. So it just keeps going upwards, and what happens is. They go up so far that it does kind of plateau and then they crash. But they could be manic, is what it's called. They could be Mm. manic for weeks. 
where their happiness just keeps getting better and better and better and 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 if they're not aware of it it's brilliant but the problem is you cannot be happy for that length of time the body is not designed to be happy for that length of time and then yeah. they crash and they could crash into a state of depression then for months or years now yeah. borderline personality disorder i could be happy now and 10 minutes from now it could be sad and then happy again mm. And then sad, exactly like a toddler. Mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There is no difference in, in, in the mindset of a toddler's brain. I'm not saying we are toddlers. Yeah. If you look closely enough at a toddler, they love you one minute, then they don't like you, then they're happy, and then they're sad, and then you're yeah. the best thing in the world, and then they're not your best friend. Some crazy emotions for toddlers. Absolutely. In, in yep. five minutes. And people with BPD are exactly that. And that's the difference. We experience all the spectrum of emotions in about 10 minutes. Do you, you spoke about obviously the low parts in your life Mm. uh, around, you know, suicidal thoughts and self-harming and things. What's been the high point in your life then? What's been the best thing that's happened in your life? The best thing that's been happened in my life. things, maybe things. um, Yeah, yeah. it would be very cliche to say my wife and kids, um, well, if it is that, then, you know. No, no, that, I'm not, yeah, 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 not going to go down that road. Um, no, because it's too cliche. The best thing that ever happened to me in my life was that girl. Genuinely. That oh, girl. the one in the... In the, yeah. in the, in the Reason counseling. being is, mm. if I did not meet her, yes, I would have mastered my illness. I would have been absolutely... I'm a, you know, I... I'm a powerhouse. I can, and I'm delighted to say that because I could not brush my teeth at one stage. Yeah. I'm an absolute powerhouse now with energy, focus, everything else. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that. However, if I did not meet her, I would be a powerhouse. I would be stable. I'm able to, I'm able to work full time. I have, as according to society, I'm an everyday type of person. I don't mm. have meltdowns anymore. You know, I'm I'm social. I can be with people or not. So as far as people go, I'm an all-rounder. Yep, yep. I would have thought that was enough. And then, unfortunately, I'd have children. And then they would get triggered into borderline. Mm. And that would have destroyed my world. Yeah, yeah. And it would have crushed me to think that my ignorance was that that's all there is to it. Because of that girl, I understand there's about 500 different types of personalities with borderline personality disorder, and I'm just one of them. As in, I'm a particular trait. If you have borderline personality disorder from one to five, you'll get the diagnosis. But someone else could have four to nine, and they'll have the diagnosis, and there's two different people. Yeah, yeah. So there's around 500 different types of borderline personality disorder. There's people with borderline personality disorder like myself who are high functioning, can hold down a job, can function in life and get by. There's them, there's some people who can't even go outside their door. Yeah, the extremes, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. Because it's the different end of the, of the spectrum. Absolutely. Mm. So if I didn't meet that girl, I would not understand, I would have taught. I'm the only person of borderline. It's my, it's, it's, I was ignorant. Yeah. Um, and then if I, if one of my children did get triggered into the illness, 
it could be on the low functioning side of borderline to which yeah. I would not have known anything about or understood yeah yeah, you yeah. so yeah, that's that's that's, yeah. that's um absolutely that girl she changed everything for me in that sense and and you see that brings my wife and children into it then because I've an absolute understanding of my ch- I look at my children now with a completely different set of understanding with them I'm looking at them and I go, oh, you have these traits or you have these traits. And it's, it's a little bit endearing to one degree because I'm looking at yeah. them going, oh, so you, you have this. And you-, you have four. You have four traits. You have five traits. Well, yeah, of- <laughs> yeah, yeah, to a degree. Now, I wouldn't psychologically look at them like we'll say that in a sense. But at the same token, I'm able to look at them and go, I'll give you an example. I have a son and he's really soft. So he, he, he requires an awful lot more hugs. So the, yeah. t- this tough lifestyle that I grew up in, would not suit him. Whereas mm. I have a daughter who won't hug you. So you have to balance it off with your children. And that's what I learned is that we're all different and you need to adapt to each one. You know? Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Lovely. Side B. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned around, was it cooking, did you say, that you do? Oh, uh, food, kind of, yeah. Food, yeah, yeah. So is that what you do to kind of relax yourself? There? Is that like a, a good feeling thing that you do? Well, or is it just... What I figured out food? was with food, mm. I couldn't regulate my emotions. And I started looking up the human being. And mm. I was like, there was no way was I going to look into the psychology and try and match psychologists so what i did is i said what is it that makes us us and outside i have an aquarium and i was just looking at the aquarium one day and uh, i was just looking at the fish going you know you need light you need water and the water has to be full of bacteria and that's your environment but if i change that environment you would be stressed and that made me think what makes a human a human what is the yeah. optimal thing for a human being? Mm. And I started looking into um, what makes us us. And as it turns out, we're a symbiotic species of bacteria and mammal. And then when I started figuring this out, I went, right, so we have a lot of bacteria in our gut. Yep. And I started looking into what's going on down there. And that was the end of my mental health. That was it. That was the beginning of the end where I actually turned around to my wife four years ago and I went, oh, I think I have mental health figured out. Mm. And she says, Mm. how? I says, like, I have over 400 books on my phone. And because of that girl, that girl just scared me so much. I just absorbed (laughs) information. And I went, I think I've got this sorted. And she says, seriously, I says, I genuinely think I have it sorted. And anyway, very, very long story short, but as I said, over 400 books, they all just jigsawed together for me at one stage. And I went, so it's bacteria. Now, Mm. this is going to sound mental, but I'll give you the science. If you took a human being and you took all their cells and you lined them all out in a row, 99% 99% of them cells are bacterial and 1% right. is mammal. So when I looked mm-hmm. at that, I went, wait a minute. If 99% of anything is anything, 
that's where I'm looking, you know? Yeah. You know, a car is 99% metal and it might have a tiny bit of wood if it's a premium car. You don't look for the wood, you look for the metal. Yes. So I started looking into bacteria. I started looking into the earth. And as it turns out, the earth has about 50% mass of bacteria. So it's a living organism. And we have bacteria everywhere on our yes. skin, Agreed. elbows, yep. everywhere. And they're all different species and they all like to live there. <laughs> <laughs> and when I started looking into this, I then looked into, well, what's the story with the gut? And as it turns out, bacteria need fiber. That's their food. Right. Yep. But they can't eat fiber because they're bacteria. So we eat the food, we break it down, and then they process the fiber and the nutrients, and they make a thing called selenium or serotonin, yep. right? Okay. And serotonin basically makes you happy, right? And I went, oh, so all I have to do is feed the little fuckers. And, you know. <laughs> and when I figured that out, I went... Okay, I get it now. Hmm. So then I just so it's almost like almost um, having the bad to release good almost, as in the bacteria. The bacteria, the, the bacteria oh. would be the bad, and it will release the happy. Well, hormones. believe it or not, what you have in your gut is this: you have ten percent mm. good bacteria, you have ten percent yep. bad bacteria, and eighty mm. percent that are non-judgmental. In other words, they will go with whoever's in control. Okay? Yep. How it basically works is this. You get a football stadium, 80% of them are fairly decent human beings, but somebody kicks off, the next thing is a complete riot. Yes. And yes. that's how bacteria form, or that's how bacteria act, and that's how humans act. Um, herd, you know, herd mentality is to call it. Yeah. So if you feed... The, hell, the good bacteria, their food, which is nuts, seeds, fruit, and veg, they actually become in control. And yep. if you feed the bad bacteria, which is sugar, processed foods, foods that they're not able to, you know, chocolate and crisps and whatnot, yeah. they become in control. Now, here's the thing about bacteria. 90% of all information goes from your gut to your brain. Yep. Only 10% goes from your brain to your gut, and that's to let it know you're feeding it. Yeah. So 90% of all thoughts come up. And when I figured that out, I went, so realistically, if I just feed these, I won't need to regulate my emotions too much. Because mm. <laughs> it's, it's 100% what I'm telling you. It's science. They produce serotonin. 90% yep. of all the happiness you feel comes from your gut the yep. other 10 percent, like your oxytocin and stuff like that comes from hugs and stuff like that yeah yeah but 90 percent, 90 percent of serotonin that's a scientific fact it comes from the gut and how the gut bacteria make serotonin is from a varied diet they need five minerals like copper, magnesium, iron um, say calcium and something else right yeah I don't know the five but they need five minerals, and when they get them five minerals, they actually make serotonin. Mm. 
And how you get them five minerals is eating a varied diet, which people have been saying for years. Yep. Mm. And they will start producing serotonin for you, depending on the amount of fiber you give them. Right. The more fiber, more serotonin. Because it's once you put it in, mm. they have to process it. They have yeah. but no choice. And when I figured this out, I went, oh, so I just need to eat a high fiber diet. Yep. And I've changed my diet. Like people say to me, are you vegetarian? I'm not. I'll eat. I was going to ask you that, you know, are you vegan, vegetarian now? Or I'm not. I don't. Look, no. again, I have too many labels and had one more would be just a nightmare. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I will deliberately eat roughly, I think, one to two chickens a year. Just mm. not to be called a vegetarian. <laughs> because okay. I'm I'm not going down that road. Um there are moral aspects that I'm I, I want mental health to be the forefront of my life. Yeah. So do I eat meat? I, I mm. do, but I eat a very high plant diet. Yeah. And I don't eat yeah. a very high plant diet for moral aspects. I eat a very high plant diet because it makes me happy. Yeah, for the mental health. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if eating cows made me happy, I'd be eating cows. Uh, it turns out, yeah. yeah, it turns out they don't. <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. But when you say plants, by the way, are you say is it like a uh, something I'm not thinking of? Because when I'm thinking of plants, I'm just thinking literally plants. Okay. But I'm sorry. assuming it's some sort of a plants are lettuce, for example. Or no, something no. Like that. Plants are basically the reason I'm saying plants is. Because the vegetarians can have a very bad diet too. Yeah. Plants are basically vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. They're regarded as plants. Yeah. Right? So basically them, because if you say a vegetarian diet, you can get a very processed vegetarian diet that's not healthy. Mm. So I'm very careful to say plants because... Fruits, nuts, vegetables, and seeds, they're plants. So I would eat yeah. 20 different varieties of them every day. And it's amazing how good you'll feel. It's unreal. And I've done this with probably 60 to 70 people at this stage and all with the exact same results. Because, here's the funny thing, cows eat grass and humans eat yeah. plants. That's as simple mm. as it gets. Um, yeah. If, if yeah. you look at the Africans, you know, the Africans are fantastic. Reason being is they're, they're, there's uh, the Hudsna, Hudsa tribe. There's a the hunter-gatherer tribe in Africa. Yeah. And uh, the Hudsa, the Hudsa tribe. And they're kind of basically our lineage, you know, because, I mean, we all know now everybody came from Africa. We all spread out. And um, yeah. That's where we originated from. So the Hudza tribe are basically the last of the original of the species, to one for a better word. And they have a diet that consumes roughly about 120 grams of fiber a day because they're eating so many plants. Yeah. And if you take the Westerners diet, it's about 28 grams. Mm. So huge difference. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you take the Hudza tribe, they have a... we have roughly between 500 to a thousand species of bacteria in us yep and they have way more they have like way more species of bacteria in them so it really is a fiber thing if i'm being honest it's a plant or 
a vegetable thing yeah. and not because I'm a vegetarian. The more yep. variety you eat, the actually better in your mental health you'll be. Okay, mm. nice. And COVID. So that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> affected love, a lot of people I, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, go on. Uh, We've never talked how, about how this is, yet. Yeah, we haven't. No. How, how has it affected you? Like, what, what's it What's it been like? Best year of my you? life. Absolute best year of my life. And you know the okay. way some people would say this just to be um, different, you know? Yeah. No. This has been the best year of my life. Reason being is this. Before COVID, I'm hypersensitive, but I'm also introverted. Mm-hmm. Before COVID, I went from work to my home house to work to my mother's to home. And with COVID, yeah. with the restrictions, I'm going from home to work to my mother's to home. So it hasn't impacted on my life. I don't drink. I gave up drinking in 2009 when I done my wristing because you can't be drinking and, you know, doing things like that to yourself. Plus, yep. I've only two hands and I've only one left. So, you know, <laughs> kind of need to keep the other one. Um, so I don't drink anymore. So the pub scene doesn't entertain me. Um, but I think these type of things are a great time for reflection. Yeah, yep, I think the sure. COVID is going to simplify things again, where people are going to go back to basics. And yeah, what I figured I out, with yeah, yep. with my mental health was, you need to go back to the purest form of being a human being, which is simplicity. Don't get too far into yourself. Yep. Um. Realize. I mean, do you know what I love about COVID is this: you have to pick the favorite people of your life. To choose to call, mm. to call to. Yeah. So now you know. That. Now you know. These are you're your right favourite people. Because you have to create that bubble that you can only, in Ireland, pick one house. Yeah. Yeah. So it's brilliant in a sense of you have to simplify your world again. Yeah. The illness. It's almost almost back to basics, isn't it? Almost. It's Look, as I said earlier on, we have bacteria on us. You know, you have bacteria. You have 600 species of bacteria in your mouth. And every night when you go to sleep, you know, your brain does its own thing, keeps you alive and breeds for you. You wake up the following morning and your mouth is all stale because them 600 species of bacteria that live in your mouth have just killed thousands of bacteria trying to kill you. Yeah. And your mouth is 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 in a foul smell because anything that dies gives off a foul smell it rots almost yeah so mm. literally in the morning you're brushing your teeth with carcasses um of bacteria you don't even think about that no and that happens to yeah. every human being every animal on the planet to be honest with you mm. the covid we're living on a massive organism as i said earlier on yeah which is basically cleaning itself out we're not the mm. apex predator that we thought we were bacteria is um it's coming to the forefront for sure isn't it absolutely and it's a natural thing i mean i mean i don't think you'd have many people disagreeing with that if i'm honest yeah yeah you know yeah definitely i think including myself for example so with covid um so i've been so i've at the well earlier on i my contract in my work came to an end. Mm. So this was in July. Um, I was relatively healthy anyway, like going to the gym, try, trying to eat healthy and things yeah. like that. 
But one thing I picked up or a few things I picked up during COVID was jogging, mm-hmm. for example. Um, I, di- I I noticed that I was eating less junk food, although some people went the other way. Yeah. Um, I was eating less junk food, but eating more square meals, I guess, a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those square meals were less, less. Uh, you know, we're not talking about a takeaway, for example, yeah. every day. Yeah. We're talking more, more cooked, mm. home-cooked food, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I think... This was definitely for me a reflective point as well. Um, so it's about looking at what's happened, mm. you know, what's been, what's my life, what my life has been like, I guess, um, and kind of almost do a reset, yeah. almost, you know, uh, and kind of look at what I want to do now, um, how I can kind of work towards that, how I can improve certain things that I still want to do. Um, or I'm doing, but just how to make it better. Mm. So there's there's a lot of things, yeah, just around the whole COVID situation that opened my eyes as well. So I, I agree um, in regards to some of the things you were saying there are just around getting healthy, really. Just absolutely. You know. I mean, it's it's not the strongest of the species that survives. It's those that can adapt. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I mean, it's as simple as this. You know, if you eat. A diet, the simplest way I'd say it is, if you eat a diet that matches your grandparents' diet, mm. you'll be pretty mm. healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you sure. know, and sure. they're li- I think we're going to be the first generation to not outlive our parents. That's scary. You know what? It, it is. It actually is. Uh, and that is so real. Because I always thought when I was younger, I always thought that, I'm in my 40s now, early mm. 40s. So I always thought that I would never, you know, I would thought with my friends, for example, or or knowing people who have passed away, mm. I'll be 60. Like when I'm 60, that's when I'll start seeing people pass away and more more common or more often. Yeah. But I'm seeing that now. Yeah. Like at my young age, I'm seeing it now, like people passing away and all sorts of things happening, which is quite a scary situation, you know, seeing it at... at a relatively young age, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think I, I agree with that for sure. Mm. Um, around that, so so yes. Um, I think that's it. Okay, that is it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. No problem. Love to do it again. I really enjoyed yep, that. Man. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Stay more. Hey. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're not following me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Richie Presents. If you would like to be a guest on the show or just want to get in touch, you can email me at richierpresents at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, review, and share. See you next week.